there are all sorts of theories about leadership during a time of crisis, but what do we actually know? David Rock is a neuroscientist who studies how the brain operates during times of crisis. And he says the COVID pandemic is providing executives an opportunity to be better leaders. And one of the most effective things a leader can do is uh, give people unexpected control over their work and their time. Hi, I'm Irene Silber with the Vanguard Network. Dr. David Rock is co-founder and CEO of the Neuro Leadership Institute. Dr. Rock sat down with Ken Banta, who is head of the Vanguard Network, to talk about what he has learned from research during the pandemic. Rock says these lessons will be important for business leaders when the next crisis hits, whenever and whatever that is. First, I thought we'd start, uh, David, with um, taking a look at what it means to examine the psychology of leadership. How does that differ from other ways of looking at leadership? Lots of people have been studying leadership for uh, you know, a very, very long time, really centuries in many ways. Um, the tools, particularly of neuroscience now, enable us to actually do something we've never done before, which is test out hypotheses um, in, in the real data. You know, and if you follow science at all, you understand data matters. Uh, it's been making a comeback in the last few months. Um, and when it comes to, to leadership, um, you know, there's a lot of guesswork. There's over a million books out there on leadership, literally. Um, search is, the search is scary when you do it. But what you can do with, with neuroscience in particular is you can actually test hypotheses and, and understand what's going on inside the brain um, during uh, leadership activities. And we're not in the business of assessing brains or testing brains directly or seeing, you know, what is, what is the brain look like of a good leader? It's more about really understanding what happens when we try to lead uh, or when we're being led. What happens in the brain when we feel like someone's listening to us, for example, uh, or not listening to us? Uh, what goes on in the brain and how can that inform uh, what we do? And ultimately it's about, you know, explaining some things we already know are good and, 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 and helping us do those even more, but also there's some surprises. We've been talking to thousands of leaders um, at, at various small events and large events we've been hosting and, and really kind of listening sessions we've been hosting. Um, and there's definitely a divide. There are leaders who are overwhelmed by the experience um, not meeting with their teams, not checking in with their teams, not like just anxious about the thought of letting their teams, you know, into their homes on camera, you know, never using camera, this kind of thing. Whereas there are other leaders who are, who are really showing their humanity, uh, who, who are showing up with a lot of empathy. Maybe to uh, ask the obvious question, uh, David, for those of us who may feel either some of the time or all of the time that this is oppressive, that we're uh, losing control, we don't want to see anyone in our home, uh, we don't feel open, are there any uh, ways we can uh, change our own perceptions and somehow help ourselves uh, in this situation and therefore help our people? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking a lot about the threat systems in the brain and there are basically three threat systems, right? Level one is quite adaptive for most work except creative work. Level two is maladaptive, so bad for all types of work except physical work. And level three, you've just like lights are on, but no one's home. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, level one, you can do pretty much everything. Level two, you can kind of be reactive, responsive to things, but no deep thinking. Level three, you can't even open your computer. Um, and so what's been happening is, is um, kind of the way you manage yourself um, has a huge impact on are you going to stay at level one and just to kind of 
be even more productive than normal, maybe not as creative, but more productive? Um, or are you going to get to two or three? And it's all about the interpretations that you make. But in, in, in particular, because this is such a strong crisis for most people, we need to put in place what we call um, at NLI a buffers, like a buffer between you and the stress. Because the way threats work, when we feel a sense of danger, it reduces the resources we need to actually manage our emotions. Um, so it's, it, like, it kind of degrades the brakes. Any kind of sense of danger actually degrades our, our, our braking system for stopping kind of runaway thoughts and emotions, right? So, so in short, what we, what we need to do is kind of plan ahead to stay at an even keel. And a lot of those are buffers. Some of the best are things like manage your media intake um, to, to, to stay very low because your brain's kind of craving certainty and thinks you're getting it from news, but what you're getting is threat. Uh, so, you know, minimize medium intake. Another thing is actually identify all sorts of things you've never controlled before and start controlling them uh, cool. so that you increase your sense of control. Um, for example, sleep, diet, exercise, hydration, like all sorts of things that has always been a bit hard to control, actually really increase your sense of control locally, especially. And the third one, just quickly, is um, increasing your sense of certainty around you um, by kind of how you organize your space, your work, your office, your time, your plan, your schedule. So actually increase your sense of local certainty, which kind of hacks one of the brain's biases called a distance bias. Um, and makes you feel more certain. So there are all these things you can do that kind of calm the brain and keep you more at that manageable threat state so that actually you might be more effective uh, than you've been before if you're at level one um, than, than in other times. A lot of it is about not, not getting to that deeper threat state, that level two or three. Uh, or when you get there, what we need is a biological issue like, uh, like going for a run or you know, having a good meal or getting some downtime or something like that. So we, we have a huge, we have a huge part to play consciously in our interpretations of what's happening. And David, uh, does, is there any advice or, uh, or, uh, or uh, scientific uh, founded knowledge about how to help your own people manage through this and how to uh, provide them with some of the things you described? Yeah, for sure. So firstly, we collected data from a large number of people. And what we found is that top leaders and leaders generally are, uh, on average, at like level one to one and a half threat, uh, so they're okay. Uh, but frontline employees were at like close to close to uh, close to two. And two is a very very poor state. Like you you can't do any deep thinking or quality work at level two threat. Um, anyway, um, so so the the overall mantra is leave people better than you found them as a leader. Like in every interaction, you want people less threatened than when you joined the meeting. And there are, there are basically five things that are exploding people's minds at the moment. Um, the big ones, uh, the, the, I mean, they're all kind of big, but um, one of the biggest ones is this sense of control, this sense of autonomy. And one of the most effective things a leader can do is uh, give people unexpected control over their work and their time, right? Whether you're still in sort of the midst of a crisis or you feel like you're coming out or whatever it is, but give people unexpected control over their work and time. So a quick example is like work out at a team level, how many synchronous hours you need and when those best hours are. So maybe you only need 20 synchronous hours because you don't all need to be online at the same time, but maybe you need 20 hours. Which of those best 20 hours? Does it have to be spread over five days? Could it be over four? Could it be over three? How does it work best? And then let people work any other time they want rather than this expectation of, you know, being on, you know, these hours. And what this does, it frees people up to manage their children and their exercise and their well-being and their families and, you know, all this other stuff. Uh, and they actually feel like, oh, 
it's this whole like pressure valve. And what it is, basically, it's an increased sense of autonomy, which in the brain is a very strong reward response that offsets the, the threat response. So that's one big example. The other one is um, that's really important is the sense of connection we have. So normally when a strong threat comes along, um, it often comes along through a sense of decreased certainty, like we become more uncertain. What we try to do in that situation is we try to increase a sense of control. We try to find out how to control the situation, right? Now in this crisis, particularly the, you know, the COVID crisis, certainty plummeted in just about everything that mattered. Autonomy also plummeted in just about everything that mattered. What we normally do when those two things fall apart is we go to hang out with other people and band together and work out how to solve this together. It's called relatedness. And in this crisis, that was out the window as well. Um, and so people are really like craving this like human connection to just help calm their jangled certainty and autonomy nerves, just like kind of a metaphor, but kind of not. It's like there's literally not nerves, but there are, uh, you know, there are systems for detecting drops in certainty and autonomy and they're firing off saying you're unsafe, go and hang out with people. And so, so this is there. So, so what you know, people managers need to do is, is, um, is, is really connect on a human level. And um, I know IBM did something with this early on, the, the IBM work from home pledge, which was like, you know, we're going to be on camera and support each other and allow the you know, humanness to come through and these kinds of things. So, so we need to sort of allow, what we've seen in many smart organizations and many smart leaders is like, you know, people bringing folks into their homes and opening up their humanness and their humanity. And, you know, here's my pets, here's my kids. We're all in this together. Um, and also the big one is having a lot of empathy for people's experience. So managers checking in, how are you? How are you doing through this? How are you doing now? So a lot of authentic, you know, checking in. Um, and then finally shared goals. So bringing people together around shared goals is huge. So kind of buffers for you as a leader, you need to put in place buffers so that you stay okay day to day. And then what you want to do is send signals to others, um, particularly around, um, around autonomy, around relatedness, but also increasing people's sense of clarity anywhere you can. One of the things we know from the brain research is that um, you do much, much better work, much deeper thinking, which is, which is uh, synonymous with having insights, right? Insights really energize you. You have a good insight on a Monday, it powers you through the whole week. An insight is like a big idea. It's like an aha moment where you suddenly see something and you're excited and energized, right? You have insights when you have a quiet mind. Uh, you have the quietest mind Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Uh, it's, it's, it's harder after that, right? And so one of the things we've been advising individuals and companies to do is leave your Monday mornings as long as you can till 12, one, even two. Um, leave it open to do your own work. Um, uh, even Tuesday morning, try to leave like those mornings, a couple of mornings after, you know, rest, hopefully restful weekend. Uh, to do um, to do your own uh, quiet work as as much as possible. That's helpful. The other thing is think about uh, you know try to negotiate time where you can you know be much more flexible with your work time. Um, and then finally, a really healthy thing in, you know is exercise every single day. Like if your stress level is very high, you want exercise every day. But the awesome thing about the human body is that can be five minutes and you can get benefits, mm -hmm. noticeable benefits. Um, you know if it's five minutes of intense stretching or intense push-ups or something like that, it's a lot, or half an hour of just a good quality walk, um, you know, preferably an hour. Uh, and something we've been helping people do is walking meetings, right? Is have a walking meeting every day where you're on the phone, you've got an earpiece in, right? Um, and you'll find the quality of the conversation's better. You're, you're smarter, you're clearer, you're sharper, you're less, you know, worked up. Plus you're getting the health benefits of reduced negative 
chemistries plus the health benefits of increased positive chemistries plus the health benefits of the cardio. It's like fantastic all around. So I would be, you know, in a crisis, a walking meeting every day in a real crisis, a walking meeting morning and afternoon, right? Just to like keep that calm. So there are things you can do that, that literally buffer us. Um, and, you know, finding ways to control, you know, finding a schedule that works uh, or certainly wrestling down the overall threat with, uh, you know, very, very regular exercise uh, can be very beneficial. That was David Rock, co-founder and CEO of the Neural Leadership Institute, talking with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. Podcasts like this are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.